morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church, Santa Ana. We're going to begin by reading from Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked up, and there in heaven a door stood open. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne, with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Around the throne are twenty-four thrones, and seated on those thrones are twenty-four elders, dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings of, and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an the third living creature, like uh, with a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let us join our voices with the voices of heaven and sing that great hymn of the faith, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. If you have the hymnal at home, it is number 138 in your hymnals.
want to worship you. We want to cast our crowns before you and give you praise, for you are worthy of our worship. Lord God, we pray that you would be with us this morning. Surround us with your presence, no matter where we are, so that we might experience you in a very real way today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so if you have kids, uh, young people, you may want to pull them out for this one because this is kind of a young person's song, uh, and I'm going to do the best I can to sing Sing along as you are able.
I encourage you, if you are not currently involved in a Bible study, to do that. And then finally, uh, I am putting together a new discipleship training, and uh, anyone who would be interested in this, it's tough. It's not going to be easy. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's going to take time. It's going to take work. And if you are interested in growing deeper in your faith and your knowledge of Scripture and your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the church, yourself, Scripture, uh, it is something that should be really valuable to us. So we encourage you just to, again, talk to me, private message me, whatever, and uh, we'll see what we can do to get you going on that. We're trying to figure out what the best time for everyone, so we're, I'm trying to find out who would like to be involved in that, and then we'll go from there. Okay? So, we are now going to sing the praise song, Who Am I? Speaking of Casting Crowns, this is uh, from the Christian band Casting Crowns. Who am I? And uh, I invite you, if you're at home, would like to join in and sing along, uh, please do so.
We are your sons and daughters. And as such, Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us. As we listen to your word read and proclaimed, may you transform us into your likeness. Fill us with your presence. Again, uh, so glad to have you with us, joining us here in the heart of Orange County. And uh, we are currently in a kind of a sub-series, I like to call it, because I'm still focusing on what it means to be the church beyond these walls. Uh, but I'm focusing on the, what I call the four pillars of the church. Other people call them the four marks of the church. These come from the Nicene Creed. Remember we talked last week that the Apostles' Creed named two, uh, used two words to describe the church, uh, the, the Holy Catholic Church. And the Nicene Creed expanded that to be the one Holy Catholic Apostolic Church. And so we're looking at those four words for the four Sundays in September. Last week we talked about the one church. And in the Apostles' Creed we are saying what it is that we believe. And we believe in the one church. And so this week, we're focusing on the holy church. We believe in the holy church. So the question is, do we really believe in that? <laughs> um, really? Do, do you see that? When you look at the church, do you say, wow, that is a holy organization? I mean, holy means pure. It means perfect. Only God is holy. It's, it's this idea of in light, inaccessible. God is holy. No sin in God. Do you see the church as holy? And, and I've really been thinking about that this week. What does it mean for the church to be holy? And what does it mean for us to confess or say that we believe that the church is holy? When I look at churches nowadays... I see one of two extremes. Either they downplay their sinfulness and they are very unholy and they just kind of say, oh, well, we're all sinners and so they just sin. <laughs> and they're kind of uh, uh, proud in their grace attitude. And the other side I see is that holier than thou and we are righteous and you are not. And so this kind of downplay of other people and this kind of attacking of other people. And, and I don't agree with either of those two extremes. So what are we exactly saying when we say we believe in the one holy church? In Leviticus 19, it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel 
and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Wow, he's telling the people of Israel that they must be holy. You shall be, not you should try to be, you shall be holy. And he doesn't just say it once. Four times in the book of Leviticus, this phrase is used. God tells his people, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, lest we throw out Leviticus with the baptismal waters. Did you catch that? I'm going to say that again because I thought that was very creative. Lest you throw out the Leviticus with the baptismal waters, Peter quotes these verses in 1 Peter, his first epistle. He says, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Ah, darn it, Peter. Peter's a disciple of Jesus Christ. Peter is a Pentecostal preacher. He preached on Pentecost. He's part of the new church. And he's telling the new church to be holy. And he even quotes it, Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Darn it. And then later, in the same letter, Peter quotes from Deuteronomy, another book that we would rather ignore. <laughs> and he says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Do, do you see the church that way? Chosen race, I can go with that, but a royal priesthood? That's a kingly priesthood. A holy nation? I don't know. I, I don't see it. <laughs> Are we a holy nation? So after some prayer and deep digging in this, I've come to the conclusion that there are three steps for us to become holified. Now, don't write me an email and say, holified is not a word. I know it's not a word. I made it up. I'm going with it. <laughs> there are three steps to become holified. The first crucified. Just what we sang at the early, earlier part of this service, Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and delivered himself up for me. By the way, worship songs are a great way to memorize scripture. So, especially with your children, if you can find worship songs that have direct quotations from Scripture, you are teaching your children to memorize Scripture. It is a good thing to do. But what Paul is saying here to the Galatians is, we have to be crucified with Christ in order to live into Christ. It, it echoes what Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their, what? cross and follow me. When we take up our cross, we are symbolically crucifying ourselves with Christ. 
So what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? Paul writes to the Romans, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with Christ through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So in other words, when we're baptized, we symbolically die to ourselves. We, we die with Jesus Christ and we are raised up to newness of life. Now I know this is one of the debates in uh, churches and denominations is what is the appropriate baptism, when is the appropriate baptism, all of those things. We Presbyterians, uh, we tend to pour water on people's heads. This is a wonderful symbol of the Spirit of God descending on people. And uh, much like the Spirit of God descended on Jesus Christ, so the Spirit of God descends on people. And it lands on the forehead to symbolically show that we are marked and sealed by that Spirit to show that we belong to God. So that's a great symbol. Uh, I also, I grew up in the Baptist church, so I also know that in the Baptist church, they like immersion. And immersion is another symbol. There are two separate symbols, and they're both strong symbols. But in the Baptist church, they like to immerse. And the idea is that when you are baptized, you die with Christ. And so when you are put under the water, that is like you are being buried with Christ. And then when you are brought back up, it is like you are being raised with Christ to newness of life. So both good symbols, but I love this idea of immersion because it really drives home this idea that I am dying to myself and being raised up to Jesus Christ. I was talking to one of our members a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying how her grandson and his wife were having lunch a few weeks ago in Orange. And they were having lunch with a friend, and the friend said, hey, there's a church that's doing baptisms down in Corona Del Mar in the ocean. Would you like to go down and watch? And the couple said, sure. And while they were there, uh, the wife of our member's grandson was just overwhelmed and said she just felt like she really needed to go and be baptized. And so she was. And she said after that experience, she felt like she really had a newness of life. Like her old self had just been pulled off of her and she had a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Baptism, it's not a magical thing, but it is a sacred moment. We call it a sacrament. And, and I simply define that as a sacred moment. And so it allows us to experience Christ in a very real and powerful way. And she says her life has been changed forever. So I want to encourage you, this is not part of the sermon, but if you have not been baptized, I would encourage you to do that because that is a very powerful symbol in our lives. And it's a call of Jesus that we are meant to be baptized. Uh, so in baptism, we are dead and buried with Christ. And our sins have been put to death in him. The consequences of those sins have been removed from us and we are made clean. 
So that leads us to the next step in becoming holified. First, we are crucified with Christ. And second, we are justified by Christ. Justification is, by definition, the removal of guilt and or penalty of sin by faith. So you've heard it between parents and children when the child will say, well, but, but this, but that. And the parent says, you're just trying to justify your actions. And by saying that, the parent is saying, you're trying to avoid the penalty and consequence of your wrong actions. So Paul writes later in the same passage that I read from earlier in Romans 5, so that as through one transgression, that one transgression was Adam and Eve, right? There resulted condemnation for all people. So Adam and Eve did what they did, and it caused all people to be born into condemnation. We call that original sin. Paul goes on, even so, through one act of righteousness, and that's Jesus dying on the cross, there resulted justification for all people. Justification, the removal of penalty of sin. So in Jesus Christ, we find justification. In Adam, we are condemned. But in Jesus Christ, we are justified. When we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, we are changed. In and of ourselves, we're not holy. My kids would be nodding their heads right now if I said, in and of, my, in and of myself, I am not holy. My kids would be going, well, that's for sure. Um, probably if you're married, your spouse would be going, uh-huh. Uh, in and of ourselves, we are not holy. In and of ourselves, we cannot justify ourselves. We are made holy by the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. This is a, kind of a tough thing for us to understand, I think. Because we say, gosh, you know, we're still sinful, but Jesus Christ makes us holy. And I was reminded of that old uh, show. I don't know how many of you watch Seinfeld or have watched Seinfeld, but uh, it was a favorite show for me for many, many years, many years ago. And um, there was the episode where Jerry Seinfeld, his, his sidekick friend, George Costanza, has just bought a used car. And he's so excited about this used car. Not because it's a great car, but because the salesperson had told him the previous owner was John Voigt. Now, John Voigt was a big actor. John Voigt was a midnight cowboy. He was in The Champ. Uh, for those of you that are a little younger, he was in National Treasure. Um, he, he's done a lot of movies. And so George was so excited that he was driving this car that used to be owned by John Voigt. And Jerry was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's just a car. And so finally they're driving around in New York City and Jerry says, well, let's look and see what's inside the glove compartment. And he opens up the glove compartment and he says, oh, it's a pencil. Look at there's teeth marks in it. Do you suppose those are the teeth marks of John Voigt? And George just got ecstatic. He's like, I bet that is. That's the teeth marks of John Voigt. I'm so thrilled. He was so excited. And, and Jerry goes, oh, look, there's an owner's manual in here. And he pulls out and he goes, you know what, George? You're absolutely right. This car was owned by John Voigt. George is about to burst. He's just so excited. And Jerry goes, but George, 
Doesn't the actor John Voight spell his name J-O-N? And George says, well, what's your point? And he says, well, this says J-O-H-N. You don't suppose he misspelled his own name, do you? <laughs> George blew a gasket. <laughs> he pulled over on the side of the road. Get up! Get up! And Jay, Jay got out and had to take a taxi home. So funny. Why was George so excited about this car? Not because it was a great car. He was excited because of the previous owner. That he was sitting in the very spot he thought that John Voight had sat. And this is kind of what we're getting at here. I am in and of myself. I am not holy. But Jesus Christ has taken residence inside of me. And the presence of Jesus Christ makes me holy. There was nothing in and of itself special about Mount Sinai. It was a hill of dirt and rocks and plants. But when Moses went up to meet God there, it became a holy place. God said, you are standing on holy ground. Not because the ground itself was holy, but because the presence of God was there. God's presence makes a place holy. In the same way, the temple was just a building made with stones and wood. But when the presence of God came into the temple, the temple became holy. You catch it? When you accept Jesus Christ, when you open your heart and say, yes, come into my life. Your life is made holy, not because of who you are, but because Jesus Christ is there and present inside of you. You and I are not holy in and of ourselves. And the church is not holy in and of itself. The presence of the Holy One makes us holy. Now, after Paul's explanation of justification, how Jesus removes sin from our lives and the penalty of sin, Paul goes on to say this, but I keep sinning. I keep doing the things I know I shouldn't do, and I'm not doing the things I know I should do. And he writes this, I love this, wretched man that I am. I know some people don't like to sing Amazing Grace because it says, saved a wretch like me. But, but this is a good recognition of who we are without Christ. Wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we are born into condemnation, but when we come to Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, there is no more condemnation. There is justification. Thanks be to God. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. And in his presence, we are justified. This is not something we can do on our own, by ourselves. We cannot earn our salvation. We can't pay for it. It's a free gift from God. But we do need to receive it. We need to accept it. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. That's why I love singing that song, Who Am I? I love the, the pre-chorus section that says, not because of who I am, but because of what you have done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. We are justified by Jesus Christ's presence in our lives. So in order to be holified, we must first be crucified and then justified, and I know you're, you're already guessing, and finally sanctified. I, I did a little Southern Baptist here. In order to be holified, you must be crucified and justified and sanctified. By justification, our impurities are removed from us. The penalty of sin is taken away. By sanctification, we are then made holy. Sanctification comes from the Latin word sanctus, which means holy. Uh, similar to Spanish, sanctum, yeah? In the Greek, it's hagiosmos. Now, here's an interesting thing. When you see the word saint in the Bible, and Paul refers to any believer as a saint, the word in Greek is hagios. So, sanctification is hagiosmos. So, we are made saints through the process of sanctification. I know you're thinking, I'm no Mother Teresa. Well, we're not Catholic. We're Presbyterian. So we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe in the sanctification of all believers. While Christ's presence makes us holy, we also recognize our presence makes us unholy. <laughs> we are like Paul. We do things we know we shouldn't do. We don't do the things we should do. Sanctification is a process. It's something that we need to do on a regular basis. It takes two steps in sanctification. The first step is surrender. We must surrender our will, our actions, our desires over to God's will. It's like that old hymn, I surrender all. Not just part of me, but all of me, all. Now, the second step for sanctification when Paul was writing to the Philippians, oh no, no, I'm sorry, this is still this point. When Paul writes to the Philippians, he writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that verse always kind of troubled me because I thought, gosh, I thought salvation was up to God and Jesus Christ and God, Jesus saved me. And, but now I'm starting to understand that this, this means um, it is a, to allow that salvation which has taken place to affect our lives and make changes in our lives that make us different. So we surrender all in this sanctification process. And then in Hebrews it says, pursue peace with all people and sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. So sanctification is something to be pursued. So it's something that we do together with the Spirit of God working in us to transform us and conform us and shape us into the person of Jesus Christ. Sanctification is something to be surrendered and to be pursued. Now I know if Scott Duncan's listening, he probably appreciates this holified, crucified, justified, sanctified. He likes those kinds of 
poetic rhyming schemes. But the challenge for us here is that this is not just a thing for individuals. This lesson is meant for the church. We are confessing that the church is holy. What is true for the individuals is true for the body, for the corporation. So in order for the church to be holified, the church must also be crucified and justified and sanctified. The church must be crucified with Christ. We must die to ourselves and our need to create this great church organization that everybody says, wow, what a great church. We should be doing all things to draw glory to Jesus Christ. Self-promoting should shift to focusing on promoting Jesus Christ. As John the Baptist said, he must increase, we must decrease. So the church must be crucified with Christ. The church must also be justified with Jesus Christ. Remember, we're not holy in and of ourselves. Our church is not holy within and of itself. But the presence of Christ makes us holy. So as a church, let us continually pray that the presence of Christ is here. On Sunday mornings, in Bible studies, even in committee meetings, in our ministry, when we go out and minister in the neighborhoods here, when we bring people, children in to do our tutoring, we should pray that the presence of Christ is there. That makes those places holy. And finally, the church must be sanctified by the Spirit. We must constantly be being shaped into the person of Jesus Christ, becoming more and more Christ-like in our actions, in our words, in our love for others. We must recognize that we're in a process. We're becoming more and more Christ-like. So in order to be holified, you must first be crucified, and then justified, and then sanctified. In response to God's word to us, we are going to recite the Apostles' Creed, We'll be doing the Nicene Creed later, but we're going to do the Apostles' Creed. You might have gotten this in your packet uh, that I emailed out yesterday. The Apostles' Creed. Let us recite it together. Go ahead and recite it at home as we read this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
response to God's word to us, we're going to join together and sing the praise song, Holiness. Uh, hopefully you have that in your packet from yesterday.
And I want to encourage you, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's so important uh, to continue to give to his work. Uh, that is part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So if you have a church, I encourage you to be giving to your church on a regular basis as you are able and as God calls you to do. If you do not, uh, I would invite you to give to this church. We have an uh, online giving link that you can do so online. Uh, shouldn't be, it should be very easy. Most of our people are saying it's quite easy. Or you can send checks in through the mail. And we thank everyone who continues to support the ministry here in the heart of Orange County. God bless you. And now, Carol is going to lead us in a song titled, Sometimes It Takes a Mountain.
Carol. Let us pray together. Lord God, we're grateful. We're grateful that recognizing that in and of ourselves we cannot achieve holiness, we cannot achieve perfection, and therefore we are not worthy to come into your presence. And yet, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place, to take all the penalty and consequence of sin upon himself, so that when we receive him and accept him, those sins are removed from us. Wow, what a gift that is. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are free in you. And so we do pray that we would devote our lives to you. You have given your life for us. You died for us. May we live for you. Lord Jesus, we, we are troubled by all that is going on in our world. It is such a difficult time. For those of us here on the West, uh, in the Western states, we are overwhelmed by the fires that are continuing to rage in Washington, in Oregon, in California. Here in Santa Ana, we have experienced the smoke in our air. We have seen the ash falling on our from our skies. Lord, we pray for relief. We pray especially for our firefighters. Protect them, Lord. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Empower them. Lord, help us to be supportive. We also recognize the racial difficulties in our world, not just in our country. Forgive us, Lord, of our racial, racist tendencies. For those that say, I'm not a racist, that's a little troubling to hear. We all struggle, Lord. Forgive us for that. Help us to recognize that you created all human beings in your image. And so we should celebrate the spectrum of your image created in the bodies of our brothers and sisters. Help us to reach across, not just march in protest, not just say phrases or words. Help us Look for practical ways to build a just and equitable society. Help us look for ways to raise people out of difficult circumstances. Give them a fair shake. Help them to have opportunities that they might not have otherwise. We ask special blessings for ministries like Rosamia that works with children with underprivileged parents. We pray for ministries like Morning Garden that meets here on our campus, that works with unwed mothers. 
We pray for those in our own community who are experiencing homelessness, that this is a difficult time during the pandemic when everybody else is holding up in their homes. These individuals are walking the streets, exposed to sickness and illness. Lord, we pray for healing for our nation. We pray for a vaccine quickly, but a safe one. And in our country, Lord, the political strife is ratcheting them up. We pray for calm. We pray for peace. We pray for your direction and your guidance. Some have said that with all that is going on in this world, it's time for us to fall on our knees and repent to you and seek you. And so that is what we do, Lord. We seek you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And we love you with all that we are. Lord, we pray that we would be the church you have called us to be. We pray that we would be holy, not by anything that we have done, but by what you have done and are doing in our lives. May we be crucified with you. May we be justified by you. May we continually be sanctified through your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to finish up. Oops, I lost my page. Here we go. We're going to finish up with the hymn, hymn number 132, Come, Great God of All the Ages. Uh, if you're at home and would like to sing along with us, I encourage you to do.
fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.